Pastor Tim Harris and I have been, starting last week, for the next few weeks, we're going to be in this series called Heroes versus Villains, and the whole idea is the spiritual warfare. Now, when we think of spiritual warfare, we tend to think Hollywood, right? We tend to think these big battles and all this stuff, and it seems out of reach for us, right? That's what spiritual warfare is. But the reality is that everyone is fighting a spiritual battle. Everyone in this room, everyone in this world is fighting a spiritual battle on some level, whatever happens to be going on in their lives. But as believers, it's pretty unique to us in that, you know, typically when you think of battle, you think of reaching victory. You're fighting for victory. But as believers, we don't have to fight for victory because we already won. So we're fighting from the stance of victory. We're fighting with the knowledge that we have won in Christ. But the thing is, Satan is not going to give up. He, he, even though he has been defeated, he still fights. And he, he's going to come at you every day. And the thing is, he knows he can't take anything from Christ because he is unbeatable. <laughs> but he's going to come after you. That's how he works. And so as a believer, you belong to Christ. And so you have to claim that victory because victory belongs to you since you belong to Christ. And so we are here to talk about it, we'll look at different stories from the Old Testament to look at, we call heroes versus villains. So we're looking at the hero or the person who, who God used, and we're going to pull attributes of that that we can apply to our lives, to the battles that we're facing. We're going to look at the, the villains and, and look at how Satan uses circumstances and situations in their lives to draw them away. So uh, last week we talked about Cain and Abel. So this week, we're going to be talking about Samson and Delilah. Judges chapter 16 is the passage. Judges chapter 16, verse 4. I've told you all the story about um, my first love. I was in love with my student teacher in third grade. Her name was Ms. Winkle. Uh, she read Bible stories to us in school. That's, that's what it used to be like uh, at Rich Pond School. Uh, anyway, she read this story. The first time I heard the story of Samson and Delilah, y'all, my student teacher uh, who was nine feet tall and long red hair, most beautiful woman ever. So in my mind, uh, Delilah will always be nine feet tall, uh, long, long red hair, and, and beautiful and dangerous. Judges chapter 16, verse 4. Uh, this is the story. This is so good. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the valley of Sorek. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. That's, by the way, not the line you lead with on your first date. I, I, I just would say that to you. Samson replied, if I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that have not been dried, I would become as weak as anyone else. So the Philistine rulers brought Delilah seven new bowstrings, and she tied Samson up with them. She had hidden some men in one of the inner rooms of her house, and she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson snapped the bowstrings as a piece of string snaps when it's burned by a fire. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Afterward, Delilah said to him, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now, please tell me how you can be tied up securely. Samson replied, if I were tied up with brand new ropes that have never been used, I would become as weak as anyone else. So Delilah took new ropes and tied them up with them. 
The men were hiding in the inner room as before, and again Delilah cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But again, Samson snapped the ropes from his arms as if they were thread. Then Delilah said, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now tell me how you can be tied up securely. Samson replied, if you were to weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric on your loom, now we're getting close, y'all notice that? I would become as weak as anyone else. So while he slept, Delilah wove the seven braids of his hair into the fabric. Then she tightened it with the loom shuttle, and again she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson woke up, pulled back the loom shuttle, yanked his hair away from the loom and the fabric, and Delilah pouted, how can you say you love me? Yeah, this is real life. Can you get a load of this? This is, this is real stuff. How can you say you love me when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging day after day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut. For I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth, so she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he's finally told me a secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap, and then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair, and this way she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I'll do as before and shake myself free, but he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. But before long, his hair began to grow back. Now, Samson is one of those characters that we hear about a lot, especially if you grew up in church. You hear all about Samson, and he's generally considered a hero. That's kind of the mindset. That's the, the logic that we place with him. But as we read his story, we get to know how in the world is this guy a hero? He is not smart, right? He's really not smart. Let's just be real. And so we, we have to, to see him as a hero who struggles, a hero who has been through a lot. You know, and, and we read a few chapters before this that he was really born as part of God's plan to, to defeat the Philistines and to begin that process of defeating the Philistines. And so when we, when we read this story, we see all this failure and, and, and probably, if Samson were to look back, I'm sure many of the decisions he made, he would not be proud of looking back. But he's known for, for his strength. He's known for being physically strong. And, and we imagine this really muscly guy, right? That's the, that was all the drawings we had as kids, this guy with long hair, and he's really strong and fit, right? That's what we imagine Samson looking like. But in reality, if you read, it really talks about what how does these guys are questioning where in the world does his strength come from? You know, it's, it's, it doesn't make sense to them. And so, you know, while we think he's going to look like Dwayne the Rock Johnson coming down, down the aisle here, he's, you look at him, you think, oh, he's strong because he's, he's strong. You see the muscles. 
in reality, it's probably like Dwayne from The Office walking down through here. He's a normal-looking guy, does not look strong at all. And so when he does these amazing feats of strength, people are like, what in the world? How did this happen? How are you so strong? Because he doesn't have to have strength. He doesn't have the strength that he developed. He has strength that God put in him. And so being known for his strength, that's how we define Samson. We, we define him as strong. And it kind of put an all-encompassing Samson is strong um, description on him. And, and it tends to take on more than physical. We, in our mind, we think, oh, he's, he can do anything because he's so strong. We can do anything if we just have this strength. But we have to remember in, in battle that it's not always that way because great strength in one area does not make up for a weakness in another. Just because he was really strong, he didn't succeed, right? He didn't win because he gave in to that weakness that he had coming he was so strong, probably the strongest person that we've ever heard about or learned about physically. And so Satan knew that strength was not the way to go after him. So he tried to figure something else out. And so he wanted him to get comfortable in knowing his strength, get comfortable in saying, hey, you're, you're strong. Look what you did a couple chapters back. Look, you ripped a lion in half with your bare hands. Who can do that? Nobody can do that. That's, that's so much more than we can wrap our minds around. And so you know, you, you're, you're super strong. You've got this, Samson. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about making up for the weaknesses in your life because you're super strong. And then we read where he defeated a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. Again, amazing feats. And so he, he's physically strong, but he's not necessarily mentally strong. And so we see three times that she tricked him with the same trick. So he's not necessarily thinking the way he should. And so we have to realize that when we're strong in an area, maybe for you it's strength. Maybe you have a lot of strength. Maybe for you it's knowledge. Maybe you're just really, really wise. Maybe it is patience. But being patient doesn't make you a good driver. Being knowledgeable doesn't make you strong. We have to realize that while we may have amazing strengths that God has blessed us with, we still have weaknesses. So when we face spiritual battles, we have to realize that there's some ways that Satan can really pierce us if we are not aware of them. And we have to realize, and, and something that, that Samson failed to acknowledge was that it's not the strength that he had that can defeat Satan. It's who gave him that strength. You know, we can be the smartest person in this room, but if we don't acknowledge that that knowledge came from God, it's useless. So being strong in one area is great. Use that. You know, whatever God has gifted you with, use that. To, to, to spread his word, to, to, to honor him. But keep in mind that your weaknesses are still there, and that is where Satan is prowling. That is where he's crouching. Samson was so blinded by his strength, he failed to see the weakness. And so you're thinking, you mentioned Samson was born for a purpose. God played out this plan for Samson, right? He had a purpose for Samson's life to, to defeat these Philistines. So why didn't God just say, hey, use your strength. I'm gonna make you use your strength to do this. That's not how God works. You see, God's purpose for our lives doesn't overwhelm your will. God's purpose does not overwhelm your will. God gives us the gift of free will. Now, there are many times in my life when I would, I would love for God to just say, here, let me pick you up and move you where I want you. But that's not how God works. Because he wants us to be able to give everything to him and rely on him. And we can't rely on him if we know he can just stand there and be a puppet. 
We have to understand that, that, that God has given us whatever our strengths are, whatever your abilities are, whatever your talents are, so that you can use those for him, but you don't have to use those for him. And we can see what happens when we don't. Samson is a great example of what happens when we are faced with a decision. We can use our strengths for God, or we can give in to our weaknesses. Because those weaknesses will come, probably when we least expect it. They'll sneak in. They'll, they'll sneak up on us, kind of like they did with, with Samson. But if we are not acknowledging the fact that we have those weaknesses, then we are going to give in to those weaknesses. So the stronger our relationship is with God, the closer and more in line with his will will be, right? Um, that's, that's, that's so important to know that the closer you are to God, the more you're going to think like him. But that still doesn't eliminate the weaknesses that you have. So when you are faced with those weaknesses like Samson was, you will have a decision to make. But the most important decisions you will ever make in your life are the decisions you make about who you love. Verse 4, sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah. We use that word fell. We, we fall in love. We, he fell in love. It makes it sound accidental, like you're just walking down the street and it, you know, a piano falls on your head, a ton of bricks fall. I mean, you just sort of like, you know, there, you know I saw her and, uh, and my heart melted. Um, we talk like that, but never forget that love is a choice. It's always a choice. Love is a chosen way of being with another person. And Samson falls in love with Delilah, who is a person he should have never been with. He should have never been with her. He should have never met her. Remember, Delilah is a Philistine woman. From the very beginning of Samson's life, before he's even born, the promise over his life was that Samson would be the one who would come and deliver God's people, the Israelites, would deliver Israel from the Philistines. So from the very beginning, his purpose is to defeat the Philistines. His purpose is to set God's people free from the boot of the Philistines upon their neck. I mean, the Philistines are the enemy. And Samson knows this from the beginning. But somehow Samson always manages to walk the line. He finds the boundary and then stands just as close to it as he can until eventually he's just stepping right across it routinely. Our passage begins, sometime later he fell in love with a woman named Delilah. Well, sometime later than what? Well, later than the story right before it. And the story right before it is the story of Samson in bed with a prostitute in a Philistine town. So understand, Samson is this man with strength from God, but at the same time, this incredible weakness. And the weakness has to do with the attraction he has for the wrong woman. Always, always the wrong woman. So in spiritual warfare, I would say it this way. In spiritual warfare, love makes you vulnerable, but lust makes you stupid. Love makes you vulnerable. Lust makes you stupid. Now, sex is God's good gift. Sexual attraction, sexual desire, this is just part of being human. Part of being human. One of the senior adult ladies in our church tells me, Pastor Tim, sex is for young people. Sex is for young people. I know better than that, y'all. In this church, we got some really sexy senior citizens. I understand that sexual desire, sexual... I wasn't talking about you personally, uh, <laughs> sir. <laughs> yeah, trip tuggles off. Yeah. Yeah. Go trip, yeah. That's awesome. It's a human, it's a human quality. Sexual desire, sexual attraction is just part of being human. It's human. 
It's God's good gift for a husband and his wife. I mean, this is what sexuality is for. It's a beautiful gift. But the devil knows that it's beautiful, and the devil knows that it's a human instinct, and the devil manages to turn it against you. This good gift of God that should be kept in its place and, and, and it should be something that brings such pleasure and joy to your life. I'm telling you, when you let the devil twist it and turn it and pervert it in your life, it will bring you down. Love makes you vulnerable, but lust makes you stupid. James chapter 4, verse 4 says this, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Now, remember, in Samson's life, the Philistines, these are the enemies of God's people. So Samson should know better. Samson should understand that you can't sleep with the enemy. You can't take a nap in Delilah's lap. You understand? Friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. Now, here's the thing. Especially young people will, will come and say, well, Pastor Tim, don't you think we're supposed to be friends with lost people? And yes, I do believe that evangelism is a very important part of our lives, and, and we're supposed to be salt and light in the world, and we're supposed to love everybody. And yes, I have lots and lots of friends that are lost people. That's, that's a part of our lives. I grant you that. But please understand, dating is not an evangelistic strategy. Dating is not an evangelistic strategy. There is no such thing as flirt and convert. It does not work. But you try it, don't you? All the time, you try it. You see a girl, you see a guy, and you hook up with her or him, and you don't even ask spiritual questions. Isn't that strange? You never really thought that's weird? That you can sleep with somebody, but it's a little too personal to ask them if they know Jesus? Yeah, that gets awkward. Spiritual things are awkward, but somehow everything else you do isn't awkward. I'm telling you, there's something really broken in your spiritual life. When you really begin to think this way, when you use dating and you just be with anybody with no concern whatsoever as to whether or not they know Jesus, you have this in your head that you give them sex on Friday night and you'll give them Jesus on Sunday. And I'm telling you, that doesn't work. It does not work. And you should never give your heart to someone whose heart does not belong to Jesus. That means you have those conversations up front. You know exactly who you're talking to, who you're dealing with, who you're beginning to have feelings for. You got to be a little smarter than that, people. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. So what Samson does here, it's not just that he's, you know, dating the wrong kind of girl. Samson switches sides. This is spiritual warfare here. And this girl causes Samson to switch sides. You think he didn't really switch sides? He's still God's hero. He's still God's man. No, no, no. No, no, no. Remember, victory is yours because you belong to Jesus. Victory is yours because you're on the Lord's side. But when you stop fighting for the Lord, when you no longer engage that fight, then understand you've switched sides. You can't just push pause. You can't just say, I'm going to sit this one out. I'm not going to be a part of this spiritual battle. No, the spiritual battle is already there. You can't step out of it. You can't say that you're not in this thing. You are in this thing. And so when you cross over, when you begin to give your heart to somebody whose heart does not belong to Jesus, understand, you've switched sides. I'm not saying that you're on the devil's side. I'm just saying that from this point on, you're not on the Lord's side, and therefore you can't have victory. Victory only comes with the Lord. And if you're not fighting for the Lord, then your defeat is certain. You're going to lose. 
So understand, as soon as we find out that Samson is now in bed with Delilah, you understand his defeat is imminent. Take a look at it. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. Okay, neither one of these two people are geniuses. (laughs) Delilah's plan is to try to find a way to trap him, to subdue him, to capture him and turn him over to the Philistines. So, you know, they ask her, you know, find out what his secret is. And usually you would expect a person to be a little bit subtle. But Delilah just comes right out and says what? Tell me the best way to tie you up where you could never get loose. Okay, so this isn't, this isn't a real smart girl. But her luck comes in the fact that the guy she's talking to is really not smart. Really not smart. But for Samson, it's kind of a game because he's always had the Lord upon him. He's always had the spirit strength upon him. So for Samson, it's a game he's willing to play here. Do you understand this? This is a game with very high stakes, but it's a game he's willing to play. He says, yeah, I'll I, I tell you what, uh, wrap me up with some new bow strings. He's just making stuff up. It's a game to him. It's just saying, yeah, just, you know, throw a TV guide over my face and I'll be as weak as anybody else. He's just making stuff up. He's playing with her. But she believes it. So she ties him up with bow strings while he's sleeping And then she starts screaming, Samson, Samson, the Philistines. So understand, this girl had Philistines hiding in her other room the whole time. She's got like Philistine goons back there waiting. And then she screams, Samson, Samson. So Samson gets up. What's he do? Pops right out. But it never dawns on him. This girl I'm dating, she had goons. She had like other men in the back room of the house waiting to kill me. Like, I would think this would be like something, like a light would go off in his head, and he would think, this girl is such bad news. But the light never goes off in his head. Not one time. Not one time does he ever realize, man, I am really, really getting in over my head with this wrong girl. This girl's bad news for me. So, So what happens? She says, Samson, you're not a very good boyfriend. You lie. You tell me lies. Now, understand, it never comes up. Yeah, but you know, girl, you had men in the back room trying to kill me. You're not such a hot girl. No, no. He never even mentions the fact that this is like the worst girlfriend ever. And he lets her say, you lie. You're a horrible boyfriend. You lie and you tease me. You make fun of me because I'm just wanting to know your secrets and you won't tell me your secrets. So Samson says what? Yeah, girl, I tell you what, go up to Home Depot and get some rope. Get some rope. If you tie me up with brand new ropes, I'll be as weak as anybody. So what does she do? What does he do? She gets new ropes. She puts the goons in the back room. She gets Samson to come over there, watch the Netflix on the couch. She knows he can't make it through one episode of My Name is Earl. And so he goes right to sleep. Boom. He's sound asleep. She ties him up with ropes. She says, Samson, Samson, the fellas in here. He gets up. Burst out again, you understand? Do you understand that this is now the same thing over and over and over? It's the same thing over and over and over. Now remember, the whole point of this message series is for us to understand how the enemy works in our lives. 
So let me understand, help you understand something very, very critical about the spiritual warfare that you're fighting. And this is the basic point. People never learn. When I say people, what I really mean is you. You never learn. Samson never learns. Despite the fact that every single time he takes a nap in Delilah's lap, he wakes up with men trying to kill him, he'll still come back over every time she calls, every time she texts. He is right there. Why is he there? Because it immensely she's got long red hair and, and she's real tall. You understand? There's only one reason he keeps coming back. And understand, this trap that she lays This ain't brilliant mastermind criminal stuff here. It's not even a good plan. And as a matter of fact, she's not even trying to conceal it. I mean, he ought to know by now what happens every time he comes to her house, every single time he takes a nap in her lap. But somehow it works every time, every single time. Do you understand that the devil has no new tricks in your life either? I mean, let's just be honest. You are still fighting the same battles you were fighting 10 years ago. Am I right? You're still fighting the same battles. Nothing ever changes because you never learn. You never learn. The devil can bait the same trap for you every single time, and you go for it every single time, and every single time the same thing happens. How many times have you been married now? And every time you get married, you marry the same kind of woman. You don't ever learn. Every time you go out looking for another guy, you keep going and getting the same kind of guy. The same guy. Sometimes he even looks like the same guy. You never learn. You never learn. The devil continues to tell you the same lies. He puts the same bait, just waves it in front, and you come at it every single time because you never learn. You never learn. Not one thing. So one more time, Delilah says, you, you, you're a horrible boyfriend. You tell me lies. So tell me, what is it? And then she nags him day after day after day after day. She just keeps coming back. Understand, your enemy is persistent. It's persistent. The devil is never, ever going to give you a break. He's never going to back off from you. He's never going to take the target off of your back. He will wait your entire life to destroy you. He's never, ever going to stop. He's persistent, but he's predictable. And because he's predictable, you should understand how you can have some victory here. You should be learning something. Samson never learns. And because he never learns anything, Delilah never has to change her strategy. She just keeps doing the same trick, and it works every single time until finally, finally, she brings him down. He says, I I was born under a promise, and I made a vow that for my whole life, I would never cut my hair as a sign of my being set apart for God's purpose, God's will for my life. But if you cut my hair, I'll be as weak as anybody. And then he takes a nap in Delilah's lap. You understand? In your life, Every single time you take a nap in Delilah's lap, you're going to wake up with a haircut. Every 
time. But you never learn. And because you never learn, the devil just continues to tie you up. Victory could be yours. You just keep falling for the same old trap. So at the end of the story, Samson wakes up, bald and defeated. But that's not the end of the story. We, 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 we hear about Samson, and we hear his defeat. So let's finish it. Starting in verse 22, but before long, his hair began to grow back. The Philistine rulers had a great festival, offering sacrifices and praising their god, Dagon. They said, our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, our God has delivered our enemy right to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. Half drunk by now, the people demanded, bring out Samson so he can amuse us. So he was brought from the prison to amuse them, and they had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. Samson said the young servant who was said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, place my hands against these pillars uh, that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. Now the temple was completely filled with people, and all the Philistine rulers were there, and there were about 3,000 men and women up on the roof who were watching Samson, who amused them. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again, O God. Please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two pillars and he, that held up the temple, pushing against them with both hands. He prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. And so he killed more people when he died than during his entire lifetime. This is key. I know we're wrapping this up, but don't lose this. See, people are going to tell you when you mess up, when you fail, when you, when you just crash and burn, that's it. You're, you can't minister to people. Look at what you've done. You can't be an example for God because you've messed up. But that's not the God that we serve. You see, for our God, it is never too late to start over. I love this story. I love these stories in Scripture where, where you think, oh, what is going on? This is, it's, it's awful. The, it looks like the, the good guy's losing, and, and you just don't know how, how, how it's going to turn around. And then you turn the page, and you see that word, but. I love that. Because you know you better buckle up because God's going to do something amazing. And that's what God does here. Samson is at the lowest of lows at this point, right? He's been defeated. He's lost his strength. He's been humiliated. He's being paraded around to amuse his enemies. He's lost both of his eyes. He's about as low as you could get at this point. And see, by all accounts, it looks like, okay, this is it. There's no more use for Samson. He's, his, he has wasted everything that God has given him. But we see God has a plan for his life. And, and while God never forced him to do anything, Samson messed up and messed up and messed up. Verse 22 says, but God has something for us. Now, we can do all kinds of things wrong, but, but God's purpose for our lives cannot be undone by our mistakes. Yes, we can get off track. We can delay things and we can, you know, cause a lot of chaos. But God has a purpose for us. Whatever he's given you to do, maybe yours is, is, is similar to Samson's and, and you, you're going to make a big impact in this world. Maybe yours is more one-on-one, but whatever God has blessed you with the ability to do, do it. 
no matter what you've done, no matter what your past says, because everybody is going to tell you, hold, they're going to hold your past over your head. They're going to tell you, you can't be a witness because you lied. You can't share about God because you're, you're, you're not a nice person. You know, you committed murder. You got a traffic ticket. All these things that are lists and lists and lists of things that you've done wrong. But God says, that's okay. I still have a plan for you. See, God was restoring Samson even before he realized what was going on. He spent this time in his lowest of lows, but God was restoring him from that moment of failure. We all fail. We all stumble. We all fall short. We all mess up, right? Nobody in this room is perfect. Some of us fail catastrophically, life-altering ways. Some of us are more of a silent internal struggle. But everyone in this room is battling something spiritually, has been through it, will face it at some point. And we have to know that God is going to provide the restoration that we need. No matter how far you fall and no matter how damaged you might feel, God provides the restoration. And I love the idea of redemption and the visual that he gives us in this story of Samson. Because again, this is about as bad as it could get, right? He had time after time. It's not like that he just suddenly made a mistake. No, he was presented with the same situation over and over. God was kind of like, listen, I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to give you another chance. And he continued to, to, to mess up. But even when he failed miserably, crashed and burned, God says, you know what? I still have something amazing for you. And, and while he had to give his life physically in order to find it, he did it. And you, that's, that's church talk, I guess. We say that a lot. Like, you have to give your life in order to find it. What does that mean? It just means to give up your power, your control, and let God control your life. Let God tell you how he can bless you, how he can do things, because we have an imagination that can probably reach about here, but God has one that can reach infinitely. He can do so much more in our lives than we ever even thought possible. We just have to give it to him. We, you know, I wouldn't get behind the, I don't know if it's a wheel, joystick, whatever, of a 747 jet plane. I wouldn't get behind that because I don't know how to do anything with that, right? I, I, I get it that you want it to fly, you want it to stay in the air, but I don't know how to make that happen. So I give that control to the pilot, right? That's the way with our lives. You know, you might be able to see what's going on, see situations are coming, and you might have ideas of how to navigate those. But if you take control, if you think I can do this in my own strength, that's when that weakness is going to get you. Let God take control of your life. So wherever you are this morning, just if you have crashed and burned and you feel like there's nowhere to go, it's never too late to start over. But maybe you're, you're the kind of, you've been living life. You've already kind of crashed and burned and you're on the, the mend. And maybe you have gained some strength and gained some wisdom and knowledge. And, and so you're, you're feeling pretty in tune with God. But maybe you're a little comfortable. Don't get comfortable because that's when Satan's going to sneak in that back door and use those weaknesses against you. So where are you this morning? You know, are you, are you in that point of needing restoration like Samson here, ready to give God your life? Maybe you've never given God your life to start with. Maybe that's something you need to do this morning as well. Or maybe you're, you're, you're kind of in between and you, you feel like you've got, and got things figured out, um, but you really haven't thought much about those weaknesses. Maybe you need to ask God to reveal, you know, your weaknesses so that he can give you the strength to overcome those. Wherever you are this morning, just respond to God. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for the story of Samson. We thank you that no matter how many times we fail, that you provide redemption. We thank you for your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness, God. 
I pray for each individual in this room, if there's those that don't know you, that they would have the boldness and strength to come and, and ask you into their life. And for those who are on the journey of life, who are, who are battling spiritually right now, Lord, I pray that you would give them strength in whatever area they need it, God, and help them to overcome the weaknesses that Satan is trying to throw at them, Lord. Open our eyes to you and what you can do in our lives, God. We love you and we praise you.